okay so yes my dad is dead but I want you to ask me about him so today's episode is all about grief unmasked nobody really knows how to approach this the topic of grief and really what to say and those things what not to say when you lose someone so today I'd like to welcome on a really good friend of mine Mandy for the episode of grief unmasked for her to interview me about my experience of losing a parent okay so so hello and welcome to the peak planet <laughs> thanks for having me um it's so weird you calling me Mandeep when I've been in Birmingham for three years and everyone calls me Manny. <laughs> it's like, who are you talking about? Yeah. That's not me. Because <laughs> I get confused. Back. Yeah, <laughs> you bring me back to good old Scunny. My accent will get stronger the more I talk to you. That's um, good. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things, as your friend, and from somebody who hasn't ever had that kind of grief or loss yes I've lost people in my life um I've lost grandparents I've lost aunties and uncles and um you know and I've lost other things in terms of like you know relationships breaking down and stuff Mm -hmm. but I can't imagine the pain of losing a parent it's one of my worst fears as I'm sure it is a lot of people now I'm like 10 years older than you 10 and a half exactly (laughs) (laughs) let's just put that out there I'll correct myself (laughs) exactly 10 and a half years older than you so I'm nearing 40 and I still have both my parents and I thank God every day that they are there but I know I'm very fortunate and some people aren't and the one thing I think I wanted to talk to you about was or ask you is when you lost your dad I think this was hang on we're in 2021 I'm trying to get my years right because the whole 2020 2021 has merged into yeah and uh, and at the same time like we want to write it off don't we so we're like are we still 2019 i know i have no idea (laughs) i i still keep getting 2019 and 2020 mixed up (laughs) because two months of 2020 were normal um but you so from my point of view you lost your dad and i thought i was being there for you by not contacting you Mm-hmm. and you got mad at me and we resolved that issue and we moved past it and I think we've actually become closer because of it if that makes sense I feel like we've definitely reached a level in our friendship this last year probably I, I don't know I feel like it's just reached another level and we're on, in a term I can't ex- describe and I'm, I'm sure you feel yeah. the same way we talk almost daily now um and we used to talk a lot before so that's a fucking miracle that we we still have this much to talk about every fucking day (laughs) we've just got more to moan about now (laughs) so as someone who lost somebody what advice would you give to the people who love you who think they're doing the best thing and that their best intention is that they don't want to intrude on your grief and you and I sort of talked about this and you did get you did get mad and angry and upset with me and all those are normal emotions back in the summer of last year after you lost your dad mm. and just tell me about that tell me from the point of view of someone who has lost somebody that close and important in your life what what you as someone who's grieving what you need from the people in your life <laughs> yeah well it's it's funny actually that that's the first thing that you started with because I found out today that a good friend of mine from school, his dad passed away last night and um, I rang my mum this morning and told her, she was like, I'll get a a couple of cards, send it to him, send one to his mum and um, I'll post it in a couple of days. And my first reply was, why are you waiting a couple of days? And she was like, well, you know it's really tough isn't it those first few days it's really overwhelming you don't really know what's going on and all these other things and that's people's first thoughts let them come to terms with it now I'm telling you now even two three four five days later let alone weeks and months to follow you don't get used to it you don't all that all those hours blend into one initially and I said to my mum they you go today, you're in the village, they're in the village, there's absolutely no excuses. Um, you need to send it today because at the minute, not it's not a, a well-known thing across, you know, like the local community where we live. And when you haven't told everybody yet, 
you want people to well I did anyway I yeah. wanted people to know and I didn't want to be the person that told them because it became draining having to have that same conversation again and again and again but what I did want is for people to tell me that they cared yeah. um, and Funnily enough, my mum has been to the post office. She has bought two cards and she has posted them today and took my advice on the board. So even as someone who lost her husband, she's still in that mindset from the other side that we, and I think as a society, I don't even know if this is a British thing, and it's certainly an Indian thing, is that we as a society have been told not to impose on somebody while they're grieving. But then from somebody's from like your point of view and I've read other people who have lost close ones like they've lost their wife at a young age or they've lost parents it's like that's that period after the death and the funeral where everyone's mm-hmm. in your face and then they disappear and go back to their normal lives that's the worst bit because it's not yeah they don't want to impose yeah absolutely they care about you but they don't want to like yeah disturb you in your time of grief if that makes sense yeah absolutely and I think you know it's difficult again because the first few days nobody wants to contact you and then people do start sending cards and flowers all at the same time and then the funeral happens now obviously because we're in the pandemic at the minute that's obviously having an effect because they're delayed etc and then things do calm down but you literally get periods where no one's there then loads of people are there and then no one's there again but I remember um, literally getting a card the day after my dad had died and it was the first one I received and I was like, shit, people do care because mm. when you love somebody so close to you, you feel that you're not loved. Mm. Um, I felt like when my dad went, nobody loved me at all because all the love I had for him, well, he's not here. And it's taken me a long time to come to terms with the fact that the love's still there, I do still love him, he still loves me, like that's not gone away. But in that moment of sheer shock and grief, I thought, that's it, my dad's gone, my dad loved me more than anybody else in the world. And obviously nobody else does because where are they? Yeah. Nowhere. And, you know, it, when he died on the 30th of April last year, again, we was, I can't even remember whether we were still in lockdown or not. Who knows? I think we were. Um, yeah, we were, so, I think we were still in peak lockdown, weren't we? Yeah, so obviously, like, I couldn't see people. Normally, when things like that happen, it's like when you have a baby, everyone swarms in a couple of days after and you've just got a constant open door. Well, you know, from experiences I've had in the past when I lost my grand granddad, it was literally like the two or three, four, four days after the whole family were together every single day. And I kind of expected that from my friends and my family, because my friends are my family. Um, I don't see them as as friends. <laughs> they're, they're just, they've been bundled into that, into that category without a choice. Um, so I kind of have expected, you know, everyone to be here, to be there for me. So I could ugly cry in front of loads of people and I wasn't. At the time, um, my mum was still living with me and my partner because she was still recovering from a hip operation. So it just wasn't really practical for her to be on her own. Um, Other than them two, I didn't really see or do anything with anybody except the people that I felt confident and comfortable enough with to say, can you come round and have a fag with me in the garden? I need to see you. Like, even though I live in Birmingham, I've only seen you twice in the last year because of the pandemic. Like, you know that in a normal world, that funeral would be packed. I would be there. I would have taken a few days off to come round and comfort you and and all that. So, like, that's a whole different experience in itself. And it's not even an experience anybody alive (laughs) has gone through. Because I know the last... The last... um, I don't even know if, the, if, like, with the Spanish flu, there was a worldwide, like, lockdown or whatever in the way that we've had it. I know there were lockdowns, but in living memory, no one has been through... People have lost parents for eons. Yes. That is an experience. It's a bit like childbirth. That is an experience that people will tell you about and you can almost sympathise with it because you know deep down that one day that will be you because that yeah. is inevitability of life. That is that people will die. 
but it's just one of those things you don't really think about but when it happens to someone else you can empathize because eventually that is going to be your future which is yeah terrifying but then there's no living memory of someone saying oh by the way i lost somebody so close to me in the middle of a fucking pandemic this is how you cope <laughs> you were quite early on in the pandemic as well yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you, yeah, it's not well, just that, but it's also the assumption that your father died from COVID or yeah. like X, Y, and Z happened. And like you say, you didn't have a house full of people constantly no. streaming in and wanting to ugly cry in front of them. So yeah, yeah. It, it was hard. And I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I hope to God that anybody that does listen to this is not, uh, <laughs> does not take any of this personally. But when you're so in your own head and in your own thoughts and you're feeling in so much pain I literally remember as well like getting cards and flowers and my mum was here so like people were dropping her cards and flowers off here and Harry Blessing was going to the shop to buy more vases every bloody day like it was an essential item at the time (laughs) otherwise they were in all my glasses and we couldn't have anything to drink (laughs) Um, so you know I remember that and I actually remember thinking like, right, well, I don't know, so-and-so's not sent me a card and it's been a week. Like, that's ridiculous. They're meant to be one of my closest friends. Why aren't they there for me? And naturally, because you're so angry about everything and you think, well, your whole world has just collapsed around you. Like, that's definitely how I felt. And I felt like it, it was just an impossible thing to even comprehend what was going on. And a lot of people that were there for me while he was unwell in the last couple of weeks and months, um, and that really growing up as well, like, you know, a lot a lot of people like came to my house all the time, like when we were younger, and you just expect all those people to be there and to hear mm-hmm. from them straight away. And when yeah. you don't, you really feel like nobody gives a flying crap and it's not the case and you know as time's gone on I've realized that actually when I've been in a similar position I've not known what to do um so the nail on the head is not yeah what What, like are you intruding are you not intruding is it too much do they want to be left alone you care for them but you don't want to overstep the boundaries and it Yeah. yeah it is a horrible horrible balance I, from it, both spectrums, if that yeah. makes sense. And I think we need to, I know it sounds horrible, but we need to normalize grief. And yes, like, absolutely. actually you're not imposing because they probably need you now more than ever. And I guess physically, yes, if you're allowed to, if we ever get back to a non-fucking pandemic <laughs> world. But even like emotionally just being there and knowing that if you if they ring you, that you're gonna answer. Or yeah. like, you yeah, know, yeah. Definitely. And I think as well, you know, like, I would go through in a, a day, I hate everybody, nobody cares, the next minute, thinking, do you know what, I have got so many lovely text messages, cards, uh, um, flowers, people have rang me, people that didn't feel comfortable to message me because they didn't know what to say, would probably have texted Harry at the time, like, how is everything? And mm-hmm. you know, like, and then, then you're overwhelmed with emotion because all these people love and care about you and are thinking about you. But then you go back into that psychological trip because you've not seen these people because you are in a global pandemic lockdown. Well, where are they? That can't mm-hmm. be right. Like you've had no physical interaction with anyone. So you don't feel the same support, even when people are actually giving it. Um, and you know in hindsight it must have been really hard for people close to me um but at the time you you know selfishly you do think well that was I you know like I felt like me and my brothers and my mum were the closest people to my dad so how can anyone possibly miss him but you know they do and they will grieve for him as, as well and everyone's absolutely entitled to but that's very difficult to get your head round Uh, and yeah I think my best piece of advice for a friend even now for myself or to anybody else going through something similar would be ask them ask them what they want and tell them that where you can you will be there for them Um, and set your own boundaries like if 
you know, if you're saying ring me at any point, I'm there for you. Don't say that if you don't mean it. Like, you know, some people say, if you need to ring me in the middle of the night, ring me. Yeah, well, Joe Bloggs puts his phone on silent at night. So <laughs> Joe Bloggs is not the person to ring. ring. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. People say it and, you know. It's almost like they think that's what you want to hear to comfort you. Yeah. When in reality, yeah. again, you've said it is this like, people need to ask what you need to help you get through it and not what they think you need and impose their, I guess, their intentions onto you and what they think. It's a bit like people who have depression as well with mental health. They think, okay, I'm just going to tell them everything's going to be fine and give them all these false platitudes and that if you need me, reach out. But the hardest thing to do is reaching out. So you... So if yeah. somebody asks you, what do you need from me? And you just say, this is what I need, if you can give it. Or I just yeah. need to know that you're there. Or just message me once a day to see if I'm okay. Hold me accountable, whatever. You know, and I think that is much healthier communication than giving false yeah. platitudes and saying, oh, I'm going to be available 24-7, like, for that person. Yeah, right. Because Maybe. nobody has the capacity to be there for somebody. No, that no. Of time. <laughs> I think as well, it's that thing of, again, when you're going through it, you don't know what day it is. You completely just become blind to the rest of the world getting on with their lives. So just for example, like, I don't know, I, I had five days off work after it happened um my first day off was a friday if you'd have said ring me anytime you need me i could have rang you at friday at three o'clock and you'd have been in a work meeting Mm. but i at that moment in time i wouldn't necessarily even think about you being at work because i was off because you're just so overwhelmed you you don't think straight you don't think about where other people are what they're doing so like my best thing was um you know, one one of my friends, and she still does it now, actually, um, will ring me for five minutes in the morning. She'll have a cuppa, just on phone. <laughs> We're both just like, having a brew. <laughs> like, how are you doing? You all right? What you got on today? And like, th- literally like, that's it. And we don't do it at a weekend, but we do it in the week. And, you know, when we did come out of lockdown, I'd just ring her on my car journey to work because it was literally like a six minute car journey. (laughs) And because my mum and Harry were here as well, that was my opportunity to be completely vulnerable and be honest about how I felt, what I was thinking. And I got it all out in the open before I'd then walk into work. So I'd feel like a massive weight lifted. And you know, that person just sacrificed six minutes of their morning. and. You know, if she's got something on, she is really good and does remember to tell me. Or if she doesn't, she'll text me and be like, oh, sorry, I've not rang kind of thing. Like, I've just yeah. been doing this and this. But having an explanation as well, like, you, you don't need to say to someone, I'm really sorry, um, you know, I didn't ring and then make up all these excuses. Just be honest, I've yeah. been working. Like, yeah. you know, it is understandable. But, like I say, you do forget other people's lives continue so it's also really healthy for that person that is grieving to also know what they're doing because it kind of brings you back down to reality as well (laughs) now like I'm at work today but I can call I can call you on Sunday night you know it doesn't have to necessarily always be in that moment but in that moment if you can say I care about you I'm here for you I want to give you my 100% attention when I do speak to you I will either come round or I'll ring you yeah. put a time in and stick to it because the person that's grieving won't have a clue what day it is or remember what time it is <laughs> so you need to be accountable to remember that but you know like and then and then you've shown back up again but they've yeah. also got their boundaries because yeah it, it's hard and uh, you want someone to take the pain away and fix it um, and unfortunately that that can't and doesn't happen um, so you know having people touch base with you and tell you that you, they still care is is just invaluable and it's it, I think it helps when you know your friend so well and what makes them tick because we did an event a couple of weeks ago didn't we and you yeah. didn't want to do it and yeah. uh, you, you were the quiz master and I made you accountable because I gave you a task to do. And I was just like, I know how she works. She, yeah, I, she has a task 
yeah. I know she can't let me down because I was so yeah. stressed. <laughs> that, and that's it, isn't yeah. it? And yeah. Then, and then it was like such an amazing afternoon for you, like that you would have missed out on if you, if I had, if I had been that friend who wasn't like, you know, the friend that I am. <laughs> if I had, if I'd have been that friend like, oh no, it's fine. You, yeah in bed it's fine and I knew that would have been the worst thing for you which is why I, I knew to give you a task <laughs> to yeah. not me and it, and, it, and it was probably yeah. emotional blackmail on my part where I was like please don't let me down <laughs> like, okay fine I will shower I will do my hair I will do my makeup just for you I'll put on a pretty dress <laughs> is it and sometimes you do you do need that that forcing thing and I think you know like say in the normal world um, like over summer we got a little bit of freedom back um, but then I became like well I wanted everyone to come around before and now they're all here I'm not really sure like yeah. people are inviting me to go for a drink <laughs> or to go see them and I'm like oh no I want to stay in my little bubble where it's safe and cozy on my own but actually the things that helped me the most were people turning up yeah like I'm not doing any or even just texting me are you in and then I'd be like Shit, I, I haven't got an excuse to think of quick enough. Like they're obviously on the way round. Like what do I do? And I'd like run upstairs, go put some mascara on, so I'd feel more human. Then go sit back down on the sofa and be like, oh, fancy that! Like, and you know, I, I had people drag me just for one drink, two drinks. Yeah. Um, you know, went to Nosey Safari Park one day, and you know, just like little things that that became normal and mm. now we're back in lockdown again so grateful for that because last year would have been shit irrespective yeah. of global pandemic for me like but to actually have still made some memories yeah is so nice and yeah. it's those people that I think about um and I'm grateful for getting me through those mm. people that have called that have texted and I mean the amount of people that you don't even speak to on a even on a regular basis that contact you to let you know that you're thinking about you like that is just it, it yeah. it's really really nice really nice and it is nice that you you have people in your life that can do that that know where that boundary is where they know when to leave you alone but then they also know to kick your ass even if you're grieving and get you out the house I remember oh, yeah, grandma, yeah, I remember when my grandma died. I think I don't know, I can't remember. I think my parents might have been away and I was in a bit of a funk and my friend Sarah, who you know, my my sister, they were going, <laughs> this is so not me. They were going to Lincoln for a craft thing. And that's not me, is it? I'm not can you see me doing arts and crafts? No. No. <laughs> they they made me go with them. And uh, I think the reason I went was because there was gonna be food. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the promise of cake and tea. I'm like, fine, whatever, fuck off. I will go. <laughs> and it was the best thing they did for me. Whether I was grieving, whether I was living, reliving past trauma of my grandmother, yeah. who was an okay person. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? And and I think I just you need people to take you and be able to be like, right, I'm not taking no for a fucking answer. Don't yeah, care what you, you look like. Don't care if you shower. Just spray yourself with Febreze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally, like I've brought some perfume for you. <laughs> yeah. And chewing gum because I know you've not brushed yeah. your teeth. Here's a flannel. <laughs> Just go clean yeah. your pits. Put some. <laughs> put some deodorant on. Perfume. Off we go. Dry shampoo. There are tricks yeah. and hacks to making yourself look presentable without taking a shower. I haven't washed my hair in five days and all I did was just dry shampoo it and wash my fringe. Absolutely. And, and life hacks, it. people, life hacks, whoever's listening yeah. to this. We're not getting sponsored for dry shampoo. Oh, I know. Way. I wish we were. I really I wish we were. I'm running low. Hair dye as well, guys. Yeah. <laughs> for the roots. <laughs> It's funny you say that because um, I actually have had a couple of grey hairs in the last 10 months and I'm like, so happy. Dad, why are you coming back with a vengeance? <laughs> like, you are a silver fox, but do not put that on me. <laughs> yeah, your first braids, you never forget them. I think I was in my 30s. I know we're going off topic a bit, but that's another form of grief. Losing oh, your natural hair colour. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> 
I have cheated because I don't want to wreck. I've just got the root spray, which I sprayed on this oh. morning. It looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> We're not quite there yet, but when no. you get there in your 30s, you know where I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming back with you. <laughs> okay, so one last question before we wrap up because I don't think I've got much longer on this recording is you mentioned your friend whose dad passed away um, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the call and we spoke about it before we started recording and you said you cried properly for the first time in like almost, what, years? Yeah. Um, how, how was I mean, that? It, it's funny because my old friends, if they listen to this, will be like, oh, Ellie, you've always been so dramatic. Like, <laughs> you, you I've the known baby. you for 10, 11 years. I, I get where they're coming from. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, you were the baby of the group. Like, you'd cry at films, songs. <laughs> you know, someone would just say boo to you and you'd end up in tears. But then, you know, like, I, I am, it, it's my star sign. <laughs> I must say, like, very emotional person. Um, but really, since I've moved out and lived on my own, I've I've not really like let myself feel my emotions as much as what I probably should or ha- did in the past. Whether I became stronger or I've just learned to get on with it, I don't really know. Mm. I do remember really like throughout my whole life, I've cried a lot more over little things than I have over big things. With big things, I, I one of my brothers is a police officer and me, my dad always used to say, you've got your hat on like your brother, like <laughs> police hat on like, and he does it, he does it as well. Like he's terrible for it, but you just go into survival mode. Yeah. And, I definitely feel and think that the last 10 months, I mean, survival mode, is literally like I have been in a forest most days, <laughs> running around ragged, thinking, have I eaten? Do I eat? I don't know anymore. Am <laughs> I drinking water from the top or is this filtered? I don't really know. Like, literally, <laughs> like, I might as well have been on a desert island or stuck in a forest in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, today, like, that you know that when when I found out um my first instinct was I need to go see them and then I thought no that's ridiculous because you're not as close as what you were and I just want I just felt pain for them Mm. and I felt so guilty that I couldn't have done anything about it and I just felt wronged that somebody else at my age had to go through that again yeah. um one of my best friends her mum passed eight years ago now and that was just horrendous and probably the first person close to me that I've seen in that much pain and mm-hmm. go through something so horrific but eight years later I'm going through it and she's in a place where she's really been able to help me and I've been able to go to her for quite honest thoughts and crazy conversations that we've both had, which has been incredible. But for someone that I know to lose a parent in such a short space of time from my dad, I just thought, no, this shouldn't be happening. Like, our parents were friends as well. Like, you know, at at 27, you just don't, it's just not how Mm. it's meant to go. Like, I still have a grandma here and God love her, she is a fighter. but you never expect her to be here and her son not. Yeah. Uh, And I guess it's not just the grief of losing your parent, it's the grief of the future without them as well. Like the rest of your life. Like, not to make you cry, but like if you ever got married or had kids. I mean, I remember that my dad, when he got taken into hospital, it was Saturday. We had five days before he passed away end of life. Um, where we were meant to visit, probably not. <laughs> After a while, I'd just been rocking up and no one said anything. So he had his own little room and there's PPA and stuff like that. So, you know, just did my own thing. Um, but by the by, and I remember sitting with my dad on my own and being like, right, dad, if I ever have kids, this is what they're going to be called. This is what my wedding dress is going to look like this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do in my future. This is the job that I'm going to have. I'm going to go self-employed. And I literally told my dad 
all of my dreams and things even in the past like god we used to fight like cotton dog because me and my mum didn't always have a good relationship and my dad would always side with it he used to drive me chronic even just apologizing to him for that like I felt like I had the opportunity where nothing was left unsaid with my dad like I am at peace with that and that's oh, amazing. It, I can't imagine many people who say that. No, and you know, even one day I remember thinking, shit, he ain't going to be here for his birthday. Like, his birthday was like five weeks later. And I remember thinking, that's not right. Mm. Like, I can't do a party for We did a party for my mum the year before and I was like, this isn't fair. I always said I'd do one for my dad, blah, blah, blah. Told one of my friends. Anyway, within half an hour, she'd been to Tesco, bought me bunting, believe his birthday cake. <laughs> cards to last uh, <laughs> to him to get him to send to me <laughs> obviously we went OTT and we actually threw like a fake birthday party for him in the hospital which he absolutely hated because he hated attention he hated force he hated parties yeah. um, but I had to do it I had to get it out of my system and I even put a party on him and I could just imagine like him being like what the fuck are you doing to me yes <laughs> this morning when i found that news out i just i felt horrendous that i'd not shared that with somebody for them to then be able to do those things yeah uh, um, and then i wanted to go into rescue mode and do anything that i possibly could for them but obviously i wouldn't have acted on it but my thoughts were like i need to help them and what can i do how can I be there? Am I really in a good frame of mind to be able to be there as much as what I'd like to be? I have no idea. Mm. And then you then you start thinking, and then I thought about his mum, and I thought, oh God, like being at home on her own. And then that was it. I thought, I've not even thought about my mum like that. And all of a sudden, everything that I was thinking about for that other person, I'd actually started to sink in for me. Mm. And I was like, I feel so much pain that they're going through that. Shit, actually, that pain's still here for me. Yeah. And it just became so raw and real today. Um, I rang work and I was like, I'm going to be starting work half an hour late. I'll see you later. And they were really good. I mean, they, they used to be being a bit dramatic anyway. <laughs> I don't even think they questioned it. It was just like, oh, okay, you'll get your work done. Like, just work to five and five. Um, but yeah, it, it just... And I, what, the first person I went to ring was my dad to tell him. Mm. And he's not here. Yeah. And... It, it was just like, oh, well, Dad, you'll know before I do. Like, you're already having a beer up there together. Like, what the fuck? And then it just, it, it just started thinking about all these amazing people that I've lost. And it, I just felt all the emotions and I felt sad. Mm. Now I've through anger and I feel like I've had a little bit of closure fed into there and then I've gone through frustration and then going into three lockdowns I felt isolated and alone for a lot of it um I felt anxious I've hit rock bottom but I've not felt just sad mm. and today, it was just a sad day and that's healthy to have because there, yeah. there are stages to grief and like you say they're not they're not going to be in like linear order um you'll probably no. and the acceptance <laughs> it's so funny because I remember attending a workshop in July um about grief and that they talked over like the stages of grief and it was really really helpful and really insightful because there was a lot of things I wasn't aware of but nobody tells you that you may start over in one section, then go to another, but then you're going fucking back. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was going to say, people like think yeah. of it as like, right, so you're going to start over here and then you're going to yeah. get to but then there's all these stages yeah. in between. It's not like a race. No. I'm going to quickly oh. run to acceptance without taking yeah. several <laughs> steps back. <laughs> no, it's mental. And I think like you go into shock, then, you know, whatever's next and then it's denial then it's something else and then you go to acceptance but it's like I've gone back to shock after been acceptance to then go back to 
Oscar. She, you know, it is. It's literally like it's like bloody roller coaster at Alton Towers. But but and then people say things get better with time. Nobody tells you that they get worse before they get better as well. And I think yeah, like because it's coming up to nearly a year, people assume that you've gone through a lot of those emotions when in fact you know better off than what you are at the beginning Uh, exactly it's still just as surreal um things still trigger you like they Mm -hmm. would if it was you know a negative experience that you've lived in other aspects of your life but yeah it's hard but today it felt good to cry and I wasn't scared of allowing that to happen because I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that I've been so fearful of being upset because that means I'm accepting it. Mm. And I've been fearful of being happy because that means accepting it and not being able to share it with my dad. So I've spent a a lot of time- Oh, sorry, carry on and I'll ask this question. Um, I've spent a lot of time just rolling with it been quite numb because I've not wanted to experience I've not wanted to be upset because my dad was always my go-to for the person that was upset and it's his bloody fault (laughs) (laughs) how Um, dare he make you a daddy's girl (laughs) and and then on the other half I've not wanted to do anything positive because if I'd had a good day he'd be the first person that I told um so I've just had days um but today felt good to be sad and I've done that on my own and with friends on the phone. So yeah. it's been like a positive mixture of both. That's good. Do you, uh, when you feel like you're okay with it, like that acceptance, if you ever get there, and even if you've had a brief moment of it, is it like, do you feel extreme guilt that you've accepted it, that it is the reality of your life? Like it's almost like, no. Does it feel yeah. like a betrayal to your dad, even though you know you'll always love him, he'll always be there for you and, and that relationship will never die? But is it like, okay, I'm having a good day and I feel guilty for having it or I feel guilty for accepting that his death is now? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, every day is so different. Um, when he first passed, as angry as I was at everybody else, I was a bit like, I couldn't have done any more. I was really confident with every decision that I made. Um, unfortunately, I did make a lot of the decisions and I was there every day living it as much as I could with him by the time that he spent two weeks in respite when he was in lockdown, but I was still visiting, I was still speaking to him three or four times a day. Um, I felt he still like- remember I, you? He still, he wasn't, he, he was did, lucid, yeah. yeah. So at he, least- yeah when he was in hospital one day he didn't know who I was but the last time I saw him before he was it was end of life and his eyes were open essentially um I went down one night I said to Harry so I need to go see my dad right now and we'd arranged to do um a virtual quiz with my friends Beth and Dan and I text them and I was like we're gonna be a bit late and they're like yeah that's fine no problem but I was like we've got this quiz at eight and it was like 10 to 8 I was like I have to go and I have to go now and it was funny, I took sweets, I, I had to go to the shop, I had sweets, pop, like whatever. My dad was like such, like a sweetie person, like had such a sweet tooth. So I was like, right, I'm gonna go down. And he was downstairs in his care home, it's only around the corner. So we walked down and um, there I am, opening his window from the outside, posting stuff through. And then around the carer, like to get them to move the bed so they could see him. And I was saying to him, like, open your eyes, Dad. No, don't want to see you. (laughs) (laughs) Just his stubborn self. It was so funny. But I just knew something was off. Um, And I actually said to him, like, obviously, I always do. Like, all right, Dad, I'm going now. See you in a bit. Night. And he's like, night, love you. And he knew who I was. And the last thing he ever said to me was that he loved me. And I'm so grateful to have that because at hospital, he couldn't talk. Um, And at those points, I think I couldn't do anything else. Like I literally overthought everything and put everything in place I possibly could. And as I say, at first I had no regrets. And then as time went on, 
I then blamed myself for all those decisions because it was easier to blame myself than admit what was happening. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, like some days I think, no, you you did do everything. Some days, yeah, it's really difficult. I think, to be honest, over the last week, I've made some quite serious future decisions and plans. And it's all been because I'm doing it for him now mm. rather than doing it because he's here. And I have to remind myself of that that everything I'm doing now is still for him because it would have been if he was here. Yeah. Uh, it was the only person that I can 100% say believed in me with whatever I did. He knew I'd do it to, like, to the best that I possibly could. Um, and he knew that if I couldn't do it to the best possibly I could, I wouldn't do it at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, my competitiveness coming out, like, you know, if I can't, can't be the best at it, I won't even try and play. Like... <laughs> I'm a sore loser, but a good winner. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you have those days of guilt. You have your days of, oh, is this left unsaid? And I know that other people have felt like they should have said things and stuff. But, you know, that you can't beat yourself up about it. But at the same time, you've lived your life not saying those things before. And there was obviously a reason for it. Um, I knew that. I am that kind of person, so I had to get it all off my chest. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think when when I'm asked that question in a relatively okay mood, I'm like, yeah, no, I do, I, I do experience the guilt, but it's definitely false guilt yeah. uh, um, rather than guilt that's real, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. I couldn't have done anything else. Um, ask me on a bad day, I could have <laughs> given him the world. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's that's quite a hard one, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know me, you did, <laughs> you did no, challenge did me. You did I say to me, ask me the hardest anything. questions ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I started with a really hard one and ended with a really hard one. So I feel like yeah, I've done my job well as your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a challenge, Ellie. <laughs> and then with no advancement as well, like no preparation. <laughs> no, it's it's more real then, isn't it? It's more pure, and I think it's yeah. it's it's honest, isn't it? And yeah. you know, the, the whole idea of me wanting to do this episode and other things around grief in the future is, you know, if one person can listen and think, even if like they're like it's, the whole thing's not relatable, but one thing that I've said and they can take away and think, do you know, I felt like that if that provides any kind of comfort I'm happy um I'm rubbish at asking for help but I'm happy to wear my heart on my sleeve and as if it benefits other people definitely oh well that has been amazing to hear and just for you to be so open and honest and hopefully people take something from it even if it's not the whole thing or even if someone it I think you have to be the right frame of mind to hear or listen to certain things or yeah. even read certain things. But there was a lot in there, I think, that you talked about and touched upon that so many people are going to be experiencing and going through. Um, so, yeah, thank you for being so open and honest with me. No, thank you for asking me some really hard questions. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> my, dad, my dad must be very proud. Still uh, I was his mate, so you know. I know, yeah. <laughs> we're, still, we're still back after. God, when did we graduate? 2011, 15, five years, six years later. Yeah. We're still in the same position. Like, can you I do remember, this? I know. This? Yeah, I know. And it's. Like, and I remember all those times I literally just took over your living room with paint yeah. everywhere and assignments and your dad would just look at us and just walk past silently. Yeah. But I will never, oh, ever forget the day we called me mate and you told me it was the highest accolade any person in yeah. your life could get. And I'd only known you about two and a bit years at this point. Yeah. I remember being in Asda when you broke the news to me that he'd passed and then you called me mate and said, oh, he'd be really like, you know, and I think I've got that voice note somewhere saved, um, hopefully. And I just remember just tearing up because I was like, yeah. I was his mate, I made it. And I'm like, I'm and so then, glad I got to, 
to be a part of his life, even if for a short time, and to get that yeah. accolade off him, it was such an honour. Oh yeah, I mean, that's the reward because a lot of people were not his mates. <laughs> and some, he would have shown that quite visibly, and others, <laughs> he would have kept very much to himself, but watched from afar and thought, you're an asshole. <laughs> I think your dad was very wise. He knew I was a good influence on your life. Bless <laughs> him. Yeah, it, was a, it was a very good judge of character, I will say. <laughs> also, I was a brown girl who would swear and just and talk yeah, shit and not, and not be like, oh, like, you know, the stereotypical really shy Asian girl that people depict on TV. Yeah. I had a he foul mouth. <laughs> it fit in well with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually think I've done quite well not to swear as much. Like, wow. I think I've sworn more than you. I'm very proud. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't used the C word once. No, you normally no, use I... it like a full stop, mate. <laughs> Literally. There's plenty of them. So, okay. Um, just to wrap up, what would be your parting words of wisdom, advice? Um for people who have gone through what you've gone through and especially in the last 12 months I'm gonna give two pieces of advice I'm gonna give a piece of advice to parents and children now to be open about how they feel so I had just given an example a couple of weeks ago I was hunting around for magic race certificate could not find it anywhere um, and I said to my mum is there any cards that dad ever wrote me birthday cards Christmas cards none mum always wrote them and I was so miffed off because I thought I've got nothing with his handwriting nothing that's written to me and actually she did end up finding a letter, which was lovely. And I'll, I've, I've shared that in, a, in another podcast, so I'll let you listen to it there rather than going over it again. But if just be, be open with your emotions and tell people that you care about them. And if you're not a card person, send a bloody card. Like mm. That's the shit you put in a memory box. And yeah. that is the stuff that you hang on to. Um, and it, it means the world to know what someone thinks of you and how much they care about you because you're never going to have an opportunity to hear that from them again. So if you've got something that you can read again that's from them and from the heart, it's just invaluable. Um, if you choose not to read it, fine as well. Like, you know, it's in a box, you never open that box again, but you know it's there and that is a comfort. Um, so that would be my advice to parents and children of whatever age now and keep keep stuff <laughs> um, not too much though because it's a pain in the ass clearing it all out <laughs> <laughs> um, and my advice to people going through it that's really hard um, I would say don't rush it mm. um I've because unfortunately me and my partner aren't together anymore I've ended up living on my own for the last my goodness what was it July six, six months um again in lockdown two and three um with you know nobody physically with me I've had to sit with my emotions and I've had to feel my emotions and god has it been hell um I think it's allowed me to just process bits like I'm not it's not a finished process and I don't think it ever will be but embracing those emotions has helped because I'm someone that bottles it up and then it comes out in health um, whether it's like migraines or water infections or whatever your body does catch up and it does take over so rest where you can remember to drink water remember to have breakfast because I didn't eat for months and then all of a sudden I realised I'm not ate for months and then I ate for three <laughs> in every meal <laughs> and I went the other way 
Um, and then I've gone back again. Like, it's just crazy. So yeah, like look after your basic needs, like drink water, make smoothie if you can't be asked to eat, like make any proper food, like you're still getting like calories and vitamins in you. Um, you need that to function. Grieving is draining and you need the energy to grieve because, you know, your life does carry on and you do adapt and it is shit adapting. Um, but you also need to look after yourself because a lot of people still care about you and that's something that you forget as well. So, you know, if somebody sends you a text telling you that they care about you and that you mean a lot to them, save it because on your bad days you need to read that you need to hear that because you know the, there's occasions where you do think I'd rather be with them and it's not rational um and reach out to people like you know there's so much support locally like there's a haven the Samaritans there's you know there's always someone there's podcasts there's books um you've just got to find your thing and be patient um trial and error if you don't like it don't like it but also don't write it off um because as i say like in one day you can hate everybody then want everyone to be around you and then not be hungry and then eat for 10 people and it's just complete waves but that can happen in a day rather than over weeks and months like you know if it doesn't work in that moment in time like give it chance try again um and just just be open with people if you don't like how someone is um I don't know, like in contact with you, like communicating with you, whether that's not enough or too much, or you feel like it's intrusive, or you feel like you maybe want their support, like just tell them. Um, and if it does end in conflict, then that person shouldn't be in your life anyway. Um, if it ends in a resolution, then you know that they are meant to be around. Um, and you just got to see it from both sides. Um, like let them explain themselves as much as you want to as well. Um, because that's hard to not be in your own head and in your own hole and forget other people's emotions and you know thoughts and rationales for why they do what they do as well. Um, and let yourself love again, you know, whether that's with a dog like I did. Or... Like you got a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, you know, just with friends or your partner or your other parent that's still here. Like just let yourself feel the love still because it still exists. Oh, that's, that's amazing. I, think, I feel like that's a perfect place to end it. Thank you. Thank you.